Mom! Can you hear me? I'm right here, but I can't see you. Are you hiding? Would you like me to come find you? Okay. Wait, Mom, I can't move. Something's wrong. I don't like this game anymore. Stop hiding. I still can't see you. I'm scared. Mom, I think I'm dead. I think it's because of malnutrition. We had lots of flour and oil for bread, thanks to Elijah's God, but that's not enough to sustain a growing boy. It happened so quickly, I didn't even notice anything at first. I just started having less energy. My fingernails got soft. You noticed something was wrong when I started sleeping in in the mornings and having less energy to play with my friends. You got really scared when I started having trouble breathing. It pierced your heart to see your son suffering so much. All you wanted to do was rock me back and forth in your arms and try and make me feel better. And then I died. I'm dead. Now I'm lying in your arms, cold, limp, lifeless. And everything about me, from my slackened mouth to my stopped heart, screams one thing in your ears, RESURRECT ME! Has anyone here ever been dead like me? Maybe at the start of the term you were excited to begin classes and full of get up and go. You resolved to make this your best quarter ever and learn more about theology and its application than all your quarters previous. Or if this is your first year, maybe you resolved to turn over a new leaf and have an intentional, incremental approach to homework instead of your tried and true procrastinating, exponential approach at the end of the quarter. But this morning, your excitement has turned to exhaustion. Your get up and go got up and went. This morning, you're dead to your classes. Or maybe it's your relationships that are dead. Two and a half weeks ago, Bonhoeffer inspired you to raise your expectations for yourself and lower your expectations for others. You resolved to make tons of relationships with all your friends around the campus, enough to sustain you for many years to come in uh, productive pastoral ministry and diligent diaconal service. But this morning, your inspiration has become your expiration. Despite the fact that you spent the night with your loved one, despite the fact that you're sitting here with brothers and sisters in the faith, you're dead to them. Why are you dying academically? Why are you dead to those around you? It's because of malnutrition. Here at the seminary, we have lots of opportunity to study theology thanks to our professors, but that's not enough to sustain a growing seminarian. It happens so quickly, you don't notice it at first. You just get too busy or too lazy to feed yourself with the Word of God. Then you start having less energy for church. You notice something's wrong when in the morning you would rather sleep in than attend your fieldwork service. You get really scared when you catch yourself dozing during sermons and you find it difficult to breathe in God's Word at all. But by then, 
It's too late. You're dead, and you can't cry, resurrect me. That's how it is for my mother, as she holds me, her son, in her arms, unwilling to believe that I'm dead. That's how it is for you, Mom. Right now, you're screaming at the man you took in, at Elijah. He's a powerful prophet, but you're a widow who's just lost her only family. You're wild with grief and rage. You scream at him, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to bring my sin to remembrance and kill my son! You rock me back and forth in your arms for a few seconds. And then Elijah quietly replies, Give me your son. You listen to him. Elijah gently lifts me from your arms, carries me upstairs to his room, lays me down on the bed. And anyone else in the room would know that Elijah expects me to rise from the dead because he begins crying out on my behalf, Oh Lord, have you, begun, have you brought down calamity on this widow also I'm staying with by causing her son to die? Oh Lord, let his spirit enter into him again. And Elijah's not just praying for me, He's physically laying down on top of me over and over again, giving a real physical gesture that he expects me any second to rise from the dead. And then, just as easily as waking a sleeping child, God restores my life to me. Suddenly, air fills my lungs, my mouth twitches, my heart starts beating, Light fills my eyes, and all I can see is Elijah's face in front of me, wet with tears of joy. I can't even get off the bed. He scoops me up, runs downstairs to you, thrusts me into your arms, and says, See, your son is alive! You crush me to your chest so hard, I find it difficult to breathe again. But I don't care, because I'm so happy. Then you turn to Elijah, and you say, Now I know that you are a man of God, and the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. I was cold, limp, lifeless. There was no breath in me and no voice. Yet someone else cried out on my behalf, and God listened to him. The God of Ezekiel was both willing and able to restore my life to me, to save me. I didn't need to worry about crying out on my own behalf because someone else was crying out for me. You don't need to worry about God hearing you because someone else is crying out for you. It's amazing he can say anything as he hangs there, blood pouring from his head, hands, and feet. This death has nothing to do with malnutrition. He can barely stay awake, the blood loss is so bad. His mother stands nearby, watching. She wants nothing more than to take his, him in her arms and rock him back and forth and make him feel better. It pierces her heart to see her son suffering so much. She gets really scared when he has difficulty breathing. Onlookers cry insults. But over all of this, Jesus' dying whisper is a plea that will thunder through the ages. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now risen from the dead and glorified, Jesus is still pleading on our behalf. And everything about him, from his mouth to his still-beating heart, is crying, I am the resurrection and the life. You can still hear Jesus' voice today. 
That's because it's not floating up in some Gnostic stratosphere where if you're enlightened and pious and lucky enough, you might one day hear God whispering your name. No, you hear God's voice every Sunday in the mouths of your pastors pronouncing you forgiven. Jesus doesn't just tell you you're forgiven. He shows you you are forgiven by stretching himself out on your hand to eat as a physical sign that one day you will rise from the dead just like he did. Isaiah 60 verse 1, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Ephesians 5:14, Awake, O sleeper, rise from death, and Christ will give you life. Light, rather. God is talking. What is our response? Resurrect me. Amen.